Off top, honey never spoils. Apparently, archaeologists have found 3,000-year-old honey in tombs in Egypt. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What's up, Charlie? You believe that? Yeah. Uh, would you eat it? Sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. You just had to say Sorry, yes. I, I, I wasn't even paying attention. I was oh. watching your highlight tape of against Randy Moss. What? That's a... Yeah, that's a scary proposition. Let's not talk about it. There's nothing to talk about there. You know it's what so happened? NFL things happened. You're well, like actually, honey. You haven't aged at all since then. <laughs> are you flirting with me? I'm married. My wife's on the show. You've met her. All right. Um, that's why my legs are out. <laughs> uh, Trey, good one. Trey Lance. What about him? <laughs> There's nothing to say about him. He's... It's one of the worst draft picks ever. Uh, so Sam Darnold's been named the number two there, mm-hmm. which I guess uh, as I guess a backup quarterback controversy is normally not one that's that interesting. But when there's a first round pick who they traded the farm for to get, who is looking like he is going to be the emergency quarterback yeah. <laughs> for their situation or get traded because they're uh, the 49ers are exploring options according to Tom Pelissero. Um, I don't have a ton of like NFL relationships, but like John Lynch, I should call him so he can not tell me nothing to my face. I think you'll know by his tone of what they think of Trey Lance as a football player. I mean, I think this is actually fascinating because you have a responsibility with this roster to try and win the Super Bowl. Right. You have a responsibility when you draft a quarterback with the number three pick to try and set him up with the best chance to succeed as possible because that is how your team wins multiple Super Bowls when you trade the farm for a player like this. That is in such direct conflict in this situation. Priority stack. That's how you answer it. Yeah. Like you, you have a priority stack. And it's obvious. Like I don't I, I get where you're saying that there's a conflict there, but there's really not. There's uh, there are you rank the things that are most important to you when you have a chance to win a championship. That's obviously the decision that you make. And it tends to I think the part about it that's interesting is those t- things tend to like marry. It's rare that what uh, is best for you, like right at this moment is going to particularly at that position is going to make things worse yeah. for you going forward. So but if the question might be different if Trey Lance has shown something. Yeah. The question right now isn't should we start him or not. It's should he be the backup or not. And if that's the question that you're having, then it's then he's shown them nothing worth uh, sticking around. And you hear good news coming out of there every now and then, but there's Brock Purdy's like the like he's a god there according right. to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, I, you hear good news about Trey Lance every yeah. now and then, but I mean, the Brock Purdy stuff's been yeah, that's been nothing but good news. For, for him. And so, yeah, I, I think the Brock Purdy stuff is, is more interesting than Trey Lance to me. I know Trey Lance is the bigger name and well, all this stuff is... Do you think he ever throws another pass for the 49ers? <sighs> well, based on last year, yes, because everyone's going to get hurt and he's going to be end up being their quarterback in the NFC Championship game with everything riding on it. This would be a great uh, sports movie. Yeah. That's how, and then he would have to prevail in that situation, but he's given us no reason to believe that he can prevail. Uh it's been the all-time like projection mistake because yeah. the big knock on him is not 
fair knock is just that he hasn't played a lot of quarterback and the hope was that he was somebody who had the physical tools that the other stuff would come along but he just he never seems like a comfortable quarterback quarterback back there I think this will probably be the last time we talk about Trey Lance so I don't feel bad spending so much time talking about him it'll be the last time for a long time yeah until he gets traded because he's going to get another opportunity because he's that talented maybe you don't think he'll get another opportunity somewhere? I mean, I don't. I mean, in a camp, maybe not have, as a starter. Oh, that's so I, yeah. Oh, he'll be on another roster, but like yeah. it's like he has such a weird. He's thrown so few passes. He's shown so little, and he was someone who's a freak athlete who's coming off a major ankle injury that we don't have any idea if he can be an NFL starter. And that's like the weirdest thing to me about this is we know that more than like a talented player, Kyle Shanahan wants someone that will do exactly what he wants, right. be the mind melt. This is like even you can go to other people in the Shanahan tree. It's like Tua with Mike McDaniel. Like where does his Mike McDaniel's brain end and Tua start? Yeah. And that's like a why it's hard to parse that. And so when we thought they had, had Trey Lance in the system that you had someone who's a freak who can make plays with Kyle Shanahan's brain making a lot of decisions, it seemed intoxicating. But so like what is he outside of Kyle Shanahan's system having not played football in – almost five years so Kyle the, that Shanahan system it's interesting because we all look at it as an easy uh like a cheat code for a successful quarterback yeah but we also can hear or I've heard that it's not an easy system for quarterbacks to learn or understand right. uh I'm, I think Matt Ryan said that it takes the second year before yeah. you feel good in a Kyle Shanahan system so I bring that up to say that the my major criticism of Trey Lance is that he doesn't look comfortable yeah and if this system is as challenging as some quarterbacks think then it's possible that he still could be good somewhere else and if you compound it by the fact that he doesn't have much time he has lots of growing to do there's possible there's a possibility that he could succeed somewhere else that is not as difficult uh as Kyle Shannon and with more reps I just like how how difficult can it be to succeed in that system when like like it's just like you everyone else looks comfortable like Jimmy G Nick Mullins Brock Purdy I, I agree. I don't understand it either because it's also during the preseason is where we're seeing him where you're not getting teams game planning for you specifically. Like the coverages that you're going to see are pretty much base coverages with maybe a zone blitz every now and then. And also like you played against this, but like they just ran a high school playbook when he had RG3 in his right. rookie year. And he's like, I'm a, like man on man. We're better than you. Right. Let RG3 do his thing. And that. Trey Lance should be in that mold. But he like, doesn't run those plays for Trey yeah. Lance. I'm just saying, like, yeah. but like he will throw out his system to run plays for someone who he thinks is talented enough to do right. something different. Right. Well, yeah. And I guess that that commitment that they made to uh it's funny because RG three yeah, it's the same level of commitment. Yeah. However, they weren't fully committed because they went and got Kirk Cousins right afterwards. Yeah. Which is which was his um, dream man. Yeah, Shanahan's dream quarterback out in uh in San Francisco, <laughs> which is weird, but it's whatever. my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so uh someone I did I practiced against that system a lot too. It's changed a bit yeah. because um I played for Mike Shanahan for three years and really intricately understood how to defend uh, the system that they were running out there. It's different now. They don't even run the zone nearly as much, or at least um, Kyle doesn't run the zone as much. The key to the zone, not that this matters or you care, but I've always found it interesting is that it's, it kind of puts the onus on the defense to be perfect. Yeah. And that's why it works. It's like, you just got to have one person mess up and the run will be successful. And the running backs that you're looking for in that system are running backs with vision, not necessarily physically talented. Have you? That's another Shanahan thing. Yeah. He wants them to do exactly well, like the Kyle thing. 
he doesn't care as much about the physical capabilities right. and he cares more about them like playing the way he wants them to play. That was like the Such Eli, an ego monster. Eli Mitchell, um, Trey Sermon thing. We just yeah. like cut Trey Sermon yeah. immediately. It's very different on the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers, which as I've pointed out a number of times has been the really strong unit yeah. for them while during Kyle's run. They are like, no, you know, what we're going to get monsters up front yes and then we're gonna get monsters to back them up and then we're just gonna run basic stuff and you can't block us which is pretty effective i would say so <laughs> um i was i had a great transition set up but i forgot what it was so i'll just do oh the great transition was speaking of people who are not completely comfortable in the zone blocking system Aaron Rodgers mm. got up out of that Matt LaFleur, which is uh, one of the many Shanahan disciples. Man, they got to put uh, Mike in the Hall of Fame now. I think they were holding off because he hadn't fully retired. It's so weird. Yeah, I think that's what it was. He's like arguably the most impactful offensive coach since Bill Walsh. And yeah. he, he's of the Bill Walsh tree also. So I guess Bill Walsh gets credit for it also. But like his name is evoked uh, on a weekly basis. It's a, it's become a part of football yeah. lexicon. And if you say Shanahan offense, everybody knows what you're talking about. And he already matches the bronze bust. Yeah. <laughs> it's like perfect. Better than anyone ever. Yeah, he does. He, that man used to love the tan. Uh, Colorado. He had a bed, a tanning beds in uh, at altitude. Oh, uh, Tanning beds at altitude, altitude and die. It's white now, though. He's given up on yes. the hair. He's he's let okay. the hair go white. The skin, he'll never let that go white. Um, I like him a lot better now that I don't have to play for him. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers. Yes. I have been watching Hard Knocks. Uh, I normally fall off on Hard Knocks at some point after episode two or three, but I am enjoying this year's Hard Knocks. And I mentioned a number of times that I'm a sucker for well-produced content, and they've made everyone likable. There have been a couple of odd things about it to me, though. And maybe this is editing, but the way they talk about Aaron Rodgers is something I've never seen before. The way that his teammates and the coaches talk about him. Because football is not like basketball. and that mm -hmm. basketball, there is a clear hierarchy. I mean, there is a hierarchy in football also. But not to this degree, where yeah. it's like he they talk about him like he's a god and it's weird i think randall cobb was the last clip that i remember seeing where he was explaining to the receivers and normally you're like man this is the way coach wants to see things done we got to do this because this is the right way everything that he's saying to them is like not nah, aaron likes it like this do it like that and then everyone talks about aaron and no one talks directly to him but they talk about him and trying to make him happy i assume that's what it was like down in tampa when tom brady showed up and i think my voice might make it sound like i'm being critical of it i'm not being critical of it i just find it odd like i've played on teams with future hall of famers and they went out of their way to make and aaron does the same thing it seems like to make himself feel like he's a part of the crew but we still kind of always felt like we were part of the crew. We don't, we yeah. never like, we're like, hey, this is the way that Ed likes it. This is the way that Ray likes it. So this is what we're going to do. You know, like there wasn't a thing. Champ, Champ likes you to be here. So we're going to want you to be there. Yeah, like, no, it's like, this is what the defensive coordinator said to do. This is what the, the coaches have said to do. It's just an unusual thing to feel like. And even this episode, they had Woody Johnson, the owner of the team, show up and give a speech to the guys he had on the chain, which can we stop doing that? 
Can yes, we stop please. doing the like? I I accepted that it was funny the first time. Old white man wore influ hip hop influenced garb. Yeah, it was cute a long time ago. I no longer find it funny. So Woody Johnson showed up in a chain that said Woody that um look a lot like Sauce Gardner's chain, but it said Woody. Also, it probably was real, and he probably threw it in the trash because he's got real money like that. But it's not funny anymore, guys. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a tired bit. So my thing with the Rogers thing, it's unique now because guys can play that long. Yeah, and um, there's a Larry Bird anecdote about legendarily good teammate, intense guy, but I, I can't remember who the teammate was. Someone got drafted towards the end of Larry Bird's career, which is he retired when he was 35, which now wouldn't be that old. He's yeah, young, very old. younger than Steph Curry, but at the time it was like, wow, this guy's played forever. Plus he did the year at Indiana where he left and he was garbage man and he went to Indiana State, got the national championship. And a young player came in and asked Larry Bird for his phone number and Larry Bird was like, nah, fuck off. <laughs> You're going to get drunk and you and your college buddies are going to call me in the middle of the night because <laughs> I was that guy to you when you were 10 years old. And I feel like that is the way it is with Aaron Rodgers now because he is he's four, 39, 40. Yeah. Those guys have been watching him since they were eight. He's he's definitely got two phones. And yeah. One that he is for people that he want, actually wants to talk to. And one is for teammates slash fans because they're the same thing. It, it feels like yeah. Randall Cobb does seem like a true, genuine friend that they are. He, they said that he's one of Cobb's kids um, godfather, which like sucks to be the other kid. Do you know how old Randall Cobb is? <sighs> What are you trying to get me here? Is he older or younger than I think? I think he's younger than I think. So I'll say he's 34. 33. Whew, that is a lot younger than I thought. <laughs> he could be 40 for all I guess. <laughs> he's played for 10 years now, yeah. right? Yeah. Damn, that's impressive. Long run. Um, But yeah, he, he certainly... <sighs> He makes no bones about it in hard knocks that like, yeah, I'm here because Aaron's here. Yeah. And I'm here to to help communicate with uh, the young guys who don't understand him in his football language. But Aaron Rodgers also probably I would assume and maybe this is just me because I'm awkward introvert guy. I have a hard time talking to people who are my peers. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to strike up a conversation with 23 year olds every day and like find something does, to does to, it matter do you have to then a football locker room or can it not be like a work relationship for him no i think it can be but i think it's better this is i mean i sincerely believe this now i don't know if i would have believed it when i was young but i do think that those connections matter okay. i don't know exactly how to measure it but it does matter i i think um maybe it's just because you want to be around your guys or you don't want to let you are even more bought in you don't want to let them down but i, I do think that it's important, particularly at that position. Yeah. And I think maybe that's it. That's the way that I'll justify it is it's a management position as much as it's like a labor position, yeah. the quarterback. And you know how much you hate when your boss is an asshole. It's nice to have a boss who's not an asshole. My, my boss, if you're listening, you've never <laughs> been an asshole. <laughs> well, anyway, I I um, am not your boss, but you trying to surreptitiously surreptitiously turn off your phone while we're still recording because I heard it beep would make your boss mad. Oh yeah. And you showing up to work with bullet holes in your shirt. What happened? Oh my I have like a I rescued this stray puppy. Oh gosh. Now you're gonna make up a lie so <laughs> no. that I feel guilty I'm for not, calling just, you out. He's doing the nipping phase. 
where he just like hangs on anything oh, that's fabric. I, res- I rescued a stray puppy. That's why I have a hole in my it's, shirt. His name's Fred. Fred uh, the dog. Whatever. Don't come to work looking like that. Like you don't care about us. Like this is not important to you. I actually, I like, I I did see you walk up in your short sleeve button down and nice oh, nice pants, cute. and I was like, fuck. I, <laughs> Really, really <laughs> botched it to what, what? So is that like, okay, this is a whole nother conversation. The hat now. Yeah. I don't have a problem with the hat. I love the hat. You're comfortable with it. This is a genuine question that's not meant as uh, as a slight at you, whereas the bullet hole in your shirt was meant as a slight at you. I don't, I don't, I can't I, come to work with your nipple peeking out of a I'm, hole. That's I'm like, really I sorry that I, I rescued focus. that I, they're just stray dogs <laughs> that need homes. All right. The, um, the salt lines is that like a white dude style thing i see that on white dudes no hats. I gotta, why don't I've, you guys just wash your hats I've, i played tennis in the hat uh, i gotta wash it it just hasn't happened yet no respect for this team that we're on here just coming here with nipple you wanted me and- to be comfortable <laughs> now i'm making you as uncomfortable as possible no this is great <laughs> no we no. we've talked about this i can't you can't make me uncomfortable at, at any point anymore i've already the got first, you to the most the, uncomfortable oh, point yeah, ever. Like the first year and a half of dominique's and i's relationship he i didn't know him that well he would sit at a desk next to me and just try and make me feel as uncomfortable <laughs> as possible would you went to the club last night Oh no! I went gotta, to see the Ringer Fantasy Football Show podcast. Uh, we don't we don't promote other people's podcasts on here. Gotta gotta grind tape. <sighs> Whatever, we're better than them. Except for Danny Heifetz, I like him. He's nice. The rest of those goons, I like all of them. They're great. Know, Whatever. Was I wanted to talk about something else? Oh, holdouts! I yeah. want to talk about holdouts. I want to talk. I'm about- about to hold out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, we certainly don't pay you enough. So wear whatever you want, buddy. Wear whatever you want. Come in with stamps on your hands and sweat on your you hat. Even though I have a ketchup stain on my shoe. <laughs> what <are you> doing? <laughs> I was I was doing a walk and he jumped right on my white shoe. Uh, you don't have children, but at some point you're gonna have to get it together. If you you can't be the one with ketchup on your shoes and holes in your shirt, you got to set some sort of example for them to how to take care of yourself and show that you care about yourself. So we got a couple topics left that I wanted to hit. Maybe we have time for the next taping or not. <laughs> um, so I know which one I want to talk about. I want to talk about Caleb Williams. Yes. So Caleb Williams, uh, D.C. native, went to Gonzaga right here in the city, a few blocks away from where we are right now. He's by far the best quarterback prospect in college and probably since Trevor Lawrence, maybe. People are saying ahead of Lawrence since since Locke yeah, at that level. He's like that level of player. You, I, we've seen him play. Uh, he looks great. He's talented. He does the Patrick Mahomes things, but he's bigger. And, Seems faster, too. And, and more athletic. Yeah. So that's what is at the table. We talked about this last week about building teams that you should not really try to angle for the right quarterback. You should build a roster. Well, if this is the quarterback, then, then maybe it might be worth considering throwing a game or two because he's that good. He's starting to, I guess, send up smoke signals. Yes. That this is something that if anybody who's followed me for a while knows that I feel very passionately about players' rights. And one in particular, one right in particular is the right to choose where you work. And he's sending up signals that he may not come out next year uh, and enter the draft if uh, he doesn't like the team that has the number one pick. Right. I love it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. This has also been like, if you follow the Caleb Williams arc, it has been trending like this, I think, since he made his college decision. Right. He, 
a lot of people thought he might go to Maryland. Yep, go Terps. But his dad and him said that he was going to the place to give him the best chance of being a star professional quarterback. So he followed Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma mm-hmm. and then followed Lincoln Riley to USC, despite the fact that he had that dominant freshman season at Oklahoma. So this has been like a long-term plan to maximize his NFL career. And he is someone who's been thinking about this since he was 17, where I think a lot of number one overall picks are like, I just want to play football because they're so great at it that the situation like doesn't seem to matter as much or it's not as much of a slam dunk. I think he's expected to be the 2024 number one overall pick and sort of choose his destination since he was maybe a sophomore in high school. Right. And his dad's talked about it. I'll I'll say, first of all, uh, it would have been nice to have him at Maryland. He could have played tight end for my guy, Talia Tagovailoa, who is a real deal quarterback. Locks coaching him up well. He puts up big numbers, and I think he's making some big money. Do too. you know what Good he was not him. doing over the offseason? He, he, oh, no. he, he was not in the gym. <laughs> Here we go with this stuff. You know, what uh, he was not, you know what he was not doing? Eating what his nutritionist wanted him to eat. All right. Well, this is a reference that I'm sure lots of people will get, but we will not delve down into that one. Um what was I going to say? Oh, Talia. No, Caleb. Okay, so the idea that Caleb Williams can use this power, like we had um, Eli Manning do it. Uh, John Elway yeah. did it. Uh, Elway had the threat of baseball. And the thing about Caleb is the threat isn't that scary. But I find this interesting in part because it connects some to the conversation that we were having about Aaron Rodgers. It's, so non, it's such a non-football thing to do. Whereas I talked about before that players are normally not in, uh, they normally feel more like just like bottom labor. We follow what we're told to do. Like it's just a, we're all in this together. It's a noble thing that, or at least it's presented as a noble thing to do. And so quarterbacks are not likely to be like, or players in general, not likely to force their way to a destination the way that we see basketball players do it. I'm happy to see it change. I would like for it to change. And I think as we, they're good and bad with everything. And as we like professionalize um, youth sports more and more, it's hard for them not to grow up with a different orthodoxy than what we grew up with. Like we grew up with a like team first orthodoxy as yeah. we get closer to like AAU eyes and uh, youth athletics. If he's been thinking about being the number one pick since he was 14 or younger than that, then how else is he supposed to look at this? Well, I think it's it's it, there's an interesting split here because I think of it more as like good organization, bad organization compared right. to like big market, small market. Yeah. Because I think it would suck if it's like a team that is building the right direction, but you're like, I want to maximize my earning pos- potential by being yeah. a major. So yeah. like that's sort of lame. But like, look at the example for good organization, bad organization is we all thought Trevor Lawrence was awesome. Mm-hmm. You put him with Urban Meyer, who's kicking kickers and, <laughs> you know, putting his hands in yeah. places we don't understand. Um, and he sucked. And then you put him with Doug Peterson and he's awesome. Right. And having the like, talent at the quarterback position is precious. We, we talk about the quarter. All we've talked about this episode is quarterbacks yeah. in de- at different tiers. And the fact of the matter is there's right now six, seven or eight guys that we really trust to win football games. Yeah. And Caleb Williams is someone who could be at the top of that list very soon. And to put him on an organization that's going to waste that because it's football, yeah. that is a shame. I'm rusty because I framed this in the wrong way. Even I have like succumbed to the framing this as like being a more of a selfish decision and a professional decision and less of like a decision where it comes to fairness. And I think part of it is the the point, the, the reason why it's frustrating to me is because we know that that is the, probably the most 
important position in football and the most dependent position in yeah. football. You're dependent on coaches, quarterback or um, coaches, receivers, running backs, offensive line, and will think of you one way or the other and talk about you one way or the other, depending on all these other variables. And can you imagine having a very valuable skill that you honed and worked on and cultivated to the point that you're the number one pick in a draft and then you have to entrust it to someone else and you have no choice? And they're just like, yeah, you know what? Houston Texans. Go ahead and figure it out. How happy was he when they made that trade for Will Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> Thrilled. I think he did a he definitely did a dance of joy when yeah, the Texans traded their pick for this coming draft to get uh Will Anderson this year, which shows that they are committed to CJ Stroud, which I'm not sure that CJ Stroud is should be all I'm not sure CJ Stroud has that much faith in CJ Stroud. <laughs> it's a tough in spot this situation. to be. In. Well, I was trying to figure out a way to pivot it to make fun of your favorite franchise, the Washington Commanders, because they've ruined some quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. And, and sent away some good ones, oh, Kirk yeah. Cousins. So, but you guys got a new owner now, so you're good to go. I love that guy. <laughs> He's out here getting drunk and, ha- and shaking hands. He had the best Commanders football team, Washington highlight. In a decade. <laughs> Since RG3 in 2012. I watched that game last night and I loved the first half of the game. I watched the first half of the game. I rewatched it last night. Sure. And uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about the bad, the bad handshake where it's he amazing. was confused by Joe Buck just being just gesticulating. He thought it was a dap offering. But that aside, I love the game because Sam Howell looked really yeah. good, which is a player that I've kind of been positive about and yeah. think he's going to be in a good situation and also because Eric Bieniemy, I want Eric Bieniemy to succeed Eric Bieniemy is one of I think just three black play callers or offensive play callers in the NFL right now and that's normally the pipeline to becoming a head coach so I'd like him to succeed because he's felt it's felt to everybody like for whatever reason it's been unfair to him yeah um I enjoy watching that I also thoroughly enjoyed watching the first drive where Zay Flowers for the Ravens was special. He was so special. I mean, it wasn't like great plays, but it was a level of quickness where the first pass he caught was just like a stop route. Yeah. And the receiver, the cornerback didn't even really backpedal. He just kind of played there and was standing right next to Zay Flowers and he was able to elude him and get around. And so when I was done, I paused the game so I could go look up Zay Flowers high school highlights because I was like you know what if he's doing this in a league I bet his high school highlights are incredible they were pretty good just pretty good I mean they were his competition he was so much better than his competition in some places that he was not required to do special things did he play receiver yeah he he played receiver he played receiver and corner it seemed like so it was like some interceptions here and some screen passes and nine routes yeah screen passes and nine routes and I was expecting to see Tavon Austin level mm-hmm. jukes, but he would make one cut and then leave him. And I was like, oh, that was impressive, but uneventful. It's like, I feel like, yeah, the T- Tavon Austin, his college tape is unbelievable. Yeah, Tavon Austin, a Dunbar, Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, they put a lot of players in a lot of different leagues. That's got to be up there. Is there a documentary on Dunbar or something? I mean, I think there's the Durant to the documentary of like oh, in the water from like the, basically DC to Baltimore, the PG yeah. and Howard County documentary. A lot but of like, good basketball. A lot of good everything. Peter Peter uh, Warwick, best high or best college highlight tape. Reggie, ever. Reggie. Reggie Bush. Do you want to do you want to draft? We can each draft five. 
All right, I'm fine with it. Except it's going to be our slight age difference is going to show. That's right. And you can draft <laughs> high school tapes too, but you can have Peter Work. I'll take Reggie. <sighs> Peter Work was so special, man. It was Reggie. He I was remember Free Shoes University era of of FSU <laughs> with, with Spurrier. Speaking of Reggie Bush, you heard he's in the news again. Yeah. He's doing NCAA. I hope he wins. NCAA is a really. I mean, like, did they did they really defame him? Like, everyone thinks he won the Heisman. He's still like he's the most iconic college player for someone who's my age. Mm. If you think of college football, you think of Reggie Bush. You think of the single sleeve and it got ripped off against Fresno State and switching the ball and cutting all the way across the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess he wants to find a way to take them on, and I feel like he deserves it. So mm. it's kind of like speaking of Heisman Trophy winners yeah. who don't. Uh, <laughs> um, it's kind of like getting OJ on the stealing and not the other stuff i don't know if they are guilty of defaming him or not but i'm rooting for him yeah i hope reggie wins give him his trophy back at least oh my god like the yeah. stuff that you accuse him of like is not even a problem at this point he, he would have made so much money in college <sighs> yeah he was in la handsome dating a kardashian yeah dynamic like he would have been just on, on instagram alone he would have been raking in oh, millions yeah. of dollars he was the coolest um who else had great college highlight tapes i would say lamar jackson go recent lamar jackson's highlight tape was absurd i'm gonna counter your lamar pick mm-hmm. i'm gonna take just one specific game mike vick versus boston college <laughs> you don't even need the rest of the mike don't vick. need the rest of don't even need the sugar bowl against peter warwick when, where my dad let nine-year-old me stay up late and he's like I know you watched the first half of Peter Work, but this Virginia Beach stay. This is <laughs> this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. I got to tell you, when I uh, Mina and I wrote a piece about Lamar Jackson before the draft, and so I went back and watched a lot of tape on um, on Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. I think was a better college player than Michael Vick, mm-hmm. objectively. But what Michael Vick was doing in some ways is so much more impressive because Michael Vick was not. The league, the college, like nobody was ready for Michael Vick. He made stuff out of nothing. If you go back, like now you look at quarterbacks in uh, systems that are designed for them. So like they have the zone read, they have option, they got counter, they got all these other, they got power, QB power. They have all these plays that are designed for the quarterback. They took a old ass antiquated 1990s style of offensive football they had him in the eye formation two backs under center they were not spreading anything out and dropping back and running outs and sometimes two two backs and a fullback because they had lee suggs and kevin jones (sighs) and he would just be like all right it was make make something happen. It was the the least conducive offense for a player like him to be successful in, but somehow he would still embarrass people. Routinely. This is one of, one of my hobbies of researching. This is just pre Achilles. How good was Ronald Curry if he was the much better high school quarterback than like yes. Mike Vick? There was um yeah I rem- the high school football. Uh, it's not Texas or Florida or anything. Virginia and, Beach is like, but yeah, they got they got players down there. Ronald Curry was such a good athlete that he was a Division One starter on a top level program for two different sports. He won the McDonald's dunk contest. <laughs> How is it so? That's kind of crazy that a player like that cannot have a like a sustained professional career. He popped his Achilles when he was nineteen. Yeah, it changed everything. And. That always brings up Charlie Ward, the two-sport athlete yeah. that uh, made the right call. Good job, Charlie. Because the NFL couldn't handle Charlie Ward. You got more um, highlight tapes you want to talk about? Devin Hester. 
Devin Hester. Do you guys just go through my list? <laughs> yeah, go through your list. Devin Hester, no- Noel Devine's high school tape. <sighs> Tavon Austin. Sean Taylor, particularly, it's hit on PK Sam. Oh, Do you remember the hit on PK man. Sam? Yeah. That was, uh, he dove through him. That was I mean, cool. his, his head landed several seconds before his feet. Oh, God. That's ruthless. I don't like that. Earl Campbell, stiff arm. Earl Campbell, stiff arm. Percy Harvin, Johnny Menzel. Percy Harvin, Percy Harvin. Yeah, yeah. That um, the, the also Virginia Beach. Yeah, the Swamp King documentary is out. Untold, not as good as it used to be. Not that it was ever great, but like this current one is not as much fun. But uh, I guess it's not supposed to be fun, but not as interesting. But yeah, Percy Harvin, absurd athlete all the way. He was I just he was the offensive rookie of the year. Like I don't think of him as being as impactful in the NFL. As- he didn't. I mean. He almost broke Doug Baldwin's neck. They almost got suspended <sighs> from the Super Bowl and then won them that game. <laughs> Took two to the barn. Special, special football player. Freak athlete. All right. What else we got going on? We got holdouts happening. Yeah. That, I mean, Chris Jones says he's going to wait till week eight to come back, which will definitely impact the championship chances for the Chiefs, right? Well, that's, this, is, this is the question. It's because it's two sides of the same coin. You've got Chris Jones and Nick Bosa. Um, I think you could make a case that they are the two best players at their respective position. That's not, I guess that's not yeah, like I mean, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Yeah, but the, among, the the, uh, among the best. You could make the case that outside of Aaron Donald being an alien, Chris yeah. Jones and Bosa are best interior and exterior pass rushers in the, in the NFL. I would disagree, but it's fine. I get sure. your point. Would you say one is a bigger loss to their team than the other. So both these teams need yeah. to win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I'd every s- year. I'd say Chris Jones is a bigger loss to um, the, I think, yeah. I think Chris Jones is a bigger loss. Even to, even though you just said that the 49ers are good because of their defense and Patrick yeah. Mahomes has succeeded with the mediocre defense. Yeah, I think so. Um, In part because, and I guess that's a fair point. And I didn't know you were going to ask me this question. I could have looked up the numbers, which would have made this less fun conversation and see who's has better on off impact. But I when I think of their defenses, I'm pretty sure Bosa has been hurt a few times. And that front is like there's a revolving door. So he's obviously the most pivotal person on uh, on that unit. But it feels like a group that's been effective before and after him and will continue to be effective. Maybe not as game wrecking. Um, Yeah, there's one guy on the Chiefs defense. And I guess the point is fair. It's like but their offenses has a chance to be so much more explosive. And as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, you'll be better off. I think the fact of the matter is that defense doesn't have a playmaker on it in the way that Chris Jones is. And they have a lot of young guys who maybe can grow into that. Yeah. That's not the same thing for the 49ers. So I think I'd be more concerned if I were the Chiefs than the 49ers, maybe. Because the 49ers are still going to have a pass rush. Either way, with or without him. Stacked. Yeah, but it it could change with him. Um, Chris Jones is the one person on defense that I think offensive coordinators are like, all right, what are we going to do about him this week? Whereas there's nobody else like that. There was a point. That 49ers defense was was so good. There was a point even in the NFC Championship. Fred Warner. Yeah, I mean, maybe better than Bosa. Um, Do you remember that NFC Championship game? Like, what if? What if the 49ers just hold the Eagles to like 14 points? Are they going to have a chance with Josh Johnson and Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback and Brock Purdy throwing underhand left-handed passes? Yeah, Fred Warner is an amazing football player. So handsome. 
Is he? Yeah. Okay. Oh, better than. Well, this is nobody beats Jalen. No, no. This is a, a Jalen friendly podcast. Don't get me in trouble. Um, I forgot what I was going to say again. <laughs> I need to go to sleep more or something. I don't know. I feel like I'm forgetting lots of things or. I, I can't even make my concussion joke anymore because it doesn't make you uncomfortable. <laughs> I saw a shirt yet last night at that Ringer Fantasy Football show. Someone had the NFL crest and it said instead of NFL CTE. And I was like, God, I got to buy that for Dominique. You'd oh, love gosh. that. Yeah. I mean, trying to get me. Um, It's like the Caucasians. I feel mm-hmm. like that's I, I think people might be more offended by the CTE shirt because they were really upset about that. <laughs> In case people don't remember, our good friend Bomani Jones wore a shirt on Mike and Mike that was uh, kind of a, a a criticism of the Cleveland, uh, at that time, Indians. And he just wore a shirt that said Caucasians, and it had a white man on it with a big toothy grin. And dollar sign in it, right? Yeah, just like the Cleveland Indians. That was a good time. It was a funny shirt. Days. Yeah, it was a good shirt. Funny shirt. I mean, I don't think he got in trouble for it. He said to zip up his hoodie. Do you remember that? It was like coming back from the break. He had it fully zipped up. Ah, <laughs> uh, the good old days. Anything else that you want to talk about? That's it. Cool. Bye. Bye. See you. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Christina Bustle. Thanks, Addie Khan. Thanks, Sarah Abbott and Podville. We out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.